0: Broadcasting live to the world now it's Sheila Zelensky, The Sheila Zelinski Show the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Thursday, September 17th, 2015 edition. I broadcast Monday to Fridays. 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here in Stereo Sound at WeekendVigilante.com. Folks, if you have not downloaded the app, there is a Sheila Zelinsky app. You can just go to the App Store, download it. You'll have all the access to the website right at the click of your fingertips, including show archives, which I'm told it'll be fully functionable by the end of next week. And so that's a really exciting and convenient way to listen to all the shows and you can also go to the show archives at weekendvigilani.com and of course you can download the podcast by going to weekendvigilani.com clicking on the podomatic button follow it and you'll get notifications as soon as any show is archived and just a reminder that tomorrow is the first day of the Nathan Leal event I know people that are down in Idaho for this event if you can get out to Idaho It's going to be a fantastic weekend there, and we'll be praying for Nathan and all the attendees of that conference. I am so excited to have my guest, who was on yesterday, on today for part two. It's going to be fantastic, and it's such a pleasure to welcome her to the program today. Pat McIntosh, welcome to the program. It is a pleasure to have you back on.
1: Thank you, Sheila. It's good to be here again. Well today I want to
0: touch on something that we talked a little bit about this yesterday but we didn't flesh it out enough and I think this is so important because one of the things I'm having a hard time reconciling is we have this this hijacking that's taking place that has reduced God again to some sky bound wish granting genie and yet Christians for the most part are always broke. There's this so-called word faith movement, and yet we're supposed to have faith in the word of God. God has promised us prosperity and blessing, and yet there's a whole empire being built on this. How do people reconcile our true biblical blessing and all the stuff that's been hijacked?
1: (laughs) It's such a big topic, and when you start talking about the name it and claim it and faith, and then you throw money in there and it gets people riled up so bad. There's so much interference on that kind of thing, but it still comes down to relationship. I'm sorry, we're going to talk about faith today. We're probably going to talk about money and the lack of and, you know, the different things that are real issues in people's lives, but it still comes down to relationship. I can't help getting off of that. That's where we're at. So if you don't have relationship with Jesus Christ, first of all, that's That's paramount in your life. You aren't going to go anywhere in life without having him as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't do things his way, you aren't going to have any success in your life either. There are two systems on this earth right now. One is God's system, and one is the devil's system. And you have to remember that the system that works this planet was created from a fallen nature. It was from Adam after he fell. So before he fell, he was God-centered. That's all there is. He was God-centered. Him and God, they had a connection, a true connection, a full, whole connection. There wasn't any interference. There was no darkness in him at all. So when he spoke to God, God heard him, and he heard God, and his thoughts were the same as God's thoughts. And so that's the way they walked, and it was clear, and it was smooth, and it was powerful. So then he traded and committed treason. He traded the authority that he had in Christ, and he traded it to the devil. So he has turned his back now on truth, and now he lives under The covering of deception, the devil, because he gave his authority over to the devil. He traded it off, him and Eve. They both did. You know, the devil said to him, well, you're not surely going to die. Like, you're not going to die. It's okay, that tree and everything on it. Like, it's going to make you like God. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. And the thing that was really too bad was Eve believed him. She was deceived. Adam committed treason. He did it because she did it. You know, that's his wife. Like, women are very powerful, but that's a whole other story. So, they did. They committed treason, they traded, now they're in darkness. They were cut off spiritually, so now they realize they are naked. Now they realize they had a covering, it was light. That light is now gone. They have killed their spirit man, they are disconnected from the spirit of God. And now they've hooked up with a very selfish, very self-centered, very destructive force, Satan. And so now the lordship that... Adam had over the earth, he gave it to Satan. Now Satan has it. So Satan has been on a trip ever since he left heaven to be like God. But the only thing is, he's just exactly the opposite. He's full of hate, lying, cheating, stealing. That's what he comes for. He comes to discount the word of God every chance he gets because he hates God and he hates the word. So he's messed up people in their lives and in their thinking in religion for a long time. And he has established religion because it runs almost the same as the word of God. He is an angel of light, comes like an angel of light, so he can have a little bit of truth, but he messes it up so bad that people believe it. And it is a powerless religion. They're not walking in the spirit of God and they're not doing the things that Jesus did. And that's why they're really angry today. People are disillusioned and confused because it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. But it's not working because you're not sitting in the presence of God. You're sitting somewhere else. And so here's this system that he's made and he's made a Babylonian system and it's got money in it and it's hoarded up for me and I'm keeping it and I'm not giving any away and I'm going to be rich and it's all going to be mine corruption and you know all that stuff that's in there that the world is full of and you know the wrong people do have the money and they're sitting on it and they're being very corrupt and they're being very evil and they're not helping people I remember there's a state that grows corn and they're famous for that had a huge huge famine huge famine And these guys have all the goods that they could give to the people in Africa, but the government didn't want to spend the money. They left that corn, and I'm not talking like one field, two fields. There was tons of corn that rotted right where it was because nobody wanted the expense to send it because it's not really smart business if you're just giving something away to a country. I mean, if we can't scalp them, they can't pay for it. They can't afford it. So then I guess we'll keep it. And they let it rot right where it was, and people died. People starved to death. And so that kind of a system is a very destructive system, and the wrong people have the stuff, because God would have fed those people, but it took us to do the job. But we're not doing it, because we're not hooked up to God's system. We're sitting in church every Sunday, but we're not hooked up to the way God does things, and God does things exactly the opposite to the way this system is set up. There is sowing and reaping, and so here's a farmer, and he's got the land, and he's got all the machinery, and he has everything he needs to grow a crop, but he doesn't plant any seed, and he waits all summer long, and it's a good summer, you got just enough right rain, all the elements are perfect, everything's great, harvest time comes, he has no harvest, and he's mad. Something's not right. So next year, does all the same thing. Got all the machinery. Everything's ready to go. Got the oil in the tractor. Boom, boom. Here I am. I'm ready. Let's go. Harvest time comes again. Still no crop. And the reason there's no crop is because he didn't plant any seed. If you don't plant in the kingdom of God, if you don't plant seed, if you don't plant seed in your heart, you're not going to get a harvest of word. You're not going to know what to do. The Holy Spirit knows. When you start walking in the Word and you start planting that Word in your heart, when you enter into a problem, when you encounter a situation that's over your head and you don't have the wisdom, you get to pray in the Spirit and you get to go to God and say, Father, I need the wisdom for this situation right now. And you said that if we could ask for wisdom, we'd get it. And so I'm asking you. I'm not afraid to ask. I'm your child. I come to the throne. Right now I'm asking for wisdom. Well, if you haven't planted any word in your heart, you're not getting any. So if you're waiting for a beam me up Scotty kind of a situation to happen to you so that you know how to get out of this situation, you're going to stay there a long time. And that's where a lot of people are. They're just bumping around in the dark because they can't figure out how to get out. But if you don't put that word in, the word isn't going to come out. So you start praying in the spirit and then, you know, maybe a day will go by, two days will go by or something all of a sudden you'll hear a scripture speak to you and you'll know that's the answer. And by golly, it is. And it's the way to get out of the situation or God will bring something with that scripture. Go here, go there, do this, do that, whatever. It happens. That's life in the spirit. So the same is with money. And here we go. Okay, people, grab a hold of your chair. Don't jump up and down in anger when I start talking about this because money is a very touchy issue. Face it, there's a lot more people out there who don't have it than the ones who do. And the ones who do are hanging on pretty tight. They're not going to go feed the poor. They're not going to go help you get out of the trouble you're in. Get a job.
0: <laughs> yeah, get a job, you lazy, no good for nothing bum. But why is it that these people, they wouldn't give God a red nickel if their life, depended on it, they're just not going to do it?
1: The reason they're not going to is because they're not living for God and they don't know God's system. God has a system that runs parallel to the fallen system, to the corrupt system, to the counterfeit system. But nobody knows how to enter the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood don't enter the kingdom of God. you got to enter it by the Spirit. You aren't going to do that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Those three help you live your life on this earth, as a superhuman being, spiritually connected to the maker of heaven and earth. You are no longer your own and you are no longer living by your five physical senses. You live by the spirit now. You must engage him through your spirit. So you've got to sit down and spend time in the word and the word will come alive. This isn't a harlequin romance we're reading here. This is God Almighty on black and white, and the coolest thing about it is that black and white will pop right off the page at you, and God will come alive through the word, and you'll take that word like we said yesterday, and you'll plant it in your heart. You'll plant it, and it'll grow in there, and faith comes out of that word. Faith comes, and manifestation of what you're believing comes. Manifestation. People don't get manifestation of good things because they don't know how to do it. They're always talking about the problem. They're always talking about what's wrong. And so the more you give life to those kind of words, the more of it you get. Because no matter what you sow, you're going to reap. That's become a cliche in the church as well. You know, you're going to sow what you're going to reap. And so we're always talking about, yeah, well, you're going to get yours. Well, you know what? It works on the good side, too. If you sow goodness, you're going to get goodness. If you sow benevolence to something and someone, you're going to get it back. God says, you feed the poor, I'll repay you.
0: And if God says, you're robbing me, we better pay attention to that,
1: shouldn't we? I think so, but people are more concerned about their dollars than they are about the opinion of God, and people don't want to give money away, and they definitely don't want to give it away to churches, and so it's like, well, why would I do that? Well, 20% of the body of Christ are holding the bag while the other 80 are running around out there doing whatever it is they're doing. There's only 20%. That's a statistic that says that 20% are actually responsible enough to take from their income, 10% 10% and plant it into the kingdom of God. Once you do that, God opens up a channel for you that he says, look out, like the skies will open up and I'll pour you out a blessing that you won't be able to contain. And so people are always waiting like that rainbow in the little gold pot at the end. Okay, well, I'm I'm waiting. I, I gave 10 bucks. I want 150,000. Like, you have to grow up in this. You know, you didn't leave the high chair and end up in the treasury department. You have to learn how to walk with God. You have to learn how to manage things in your life. You have to learn from the inside out. God teaches you from the inside out. As you go, you grow. And as you grow, you expand. And it's through God that you expand. And when you're mature enough, He will put you into situations where you can handle more than what you have right now. But if you're not being responsible with what you have right now, if you're not being faithful with what you have right now, you aren't going to get any farther. He can't trust you with it. He's got to trust you. And when you start talking about money, that touches people's hearts. Like they start to go, oh, oh yeah, you're another one of those. You just want what I have. I, you know what? I was a welfare mother. I know what I'm talking about. From the time I met God, I started tithing. Didn't matter. I sent money into the kingdom of God where he told me to do it. And I was a welfare mother. So for people out there who aren't making much money, you know what I'm talking about. Like you got way more month than you do money. So after your rent's paid and your groceries are paid and your hydro's paid and your phone's paid, you're done. If you could even, out of those items that I just listed, manage to get those things paid off, you still have the rest of the month to go. And I gave 10% of what I had to God. And you can call me crazy, but I'm not sitting today where I was 30 some years ago. I'm in a whole different place. We're ranchers now. I was on welfare. I didn't have a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. You know what I'm saying? Now we're ranchers. We have horses. We have things. I didn't get them from nowhere. God has built us up. God has brought us forward. We have a very good life, and we're moving in something right now, but we're not done with that yet. It is progressive. You always keep going. God is always taking you different places, and so, you know, here we are with our horses. Here we are with everything, and God is saying, okay, now I want you to do something else. So now we're out there again. My husband had a really good job in the oil patch. He quit his job. Forgive me, but he did. But it was what God was calling us to do at that time, and so he had to quit his job. We've been unemployed now for a year, and God has been looking after us. God has been taking care of us, and every time we take a step, God is there with us. He has given me a word every single day to hang on to, to help me get through this situation that we are going through right now, and it is for a bigger picture. It's not always just about me, 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 me. There are people out there in trouble, and we are walking through a valley so that I can turn around and say guys come on come on it's this way I know I've proved it we're going this way it's a good way it's cleared come on we're going to succeed we're going to keep going but even in this place of unemployment God has managed to give us money along the way we've stayed alive we've stayed alive and we're doing well I'm not sitting on top of the mountain yet, but I'm heading there. I'll tell you that right now because God has given me promises. We will come out of this and we will be on the other side and it'll be perfect because God has given us a desire. He's given us a direction and we're heading in that direction. And just like the people in the desert, when Moses led them out of Egypt, out of that iron furnace of slavery and he led them out, big sky country. Here they go and they're thinking, oh, wow, I'm finally out of there. But where are we? What are we doing out here? Like, okay, follow Moses. He seems to know what he's doing. So, okay, we'll follow him. And he ends up at the sea. You're now you can't even cross. Like, on you, you might as well say you hit a brick wall. And now, on top of that, here comes more pressure. Here comes more pressure. So you have no way out, and there's pressure behind you, and it's the enemy, and he's pushing, and he's pushing, and he's pushing, and you can hear the pressure in your thinking. You can hear the roar on the ground. You can hear the horse's hooves. You can see the dust coming. You know that it's going to be crunch time soon, and unless God does something, you're done. And what the Israelites did, they turned around and they said to Moses, what, there wasn't enough graves back in Egypt? You had to bring us here to die. Totally mad. These are God's people. These are God's people, the Israelites. But they didn't feel like God's people and they didn't look like God's people because they'd been in slavery for 430 years. And so everything that looked like it was supposed to be good was totally gone, wiped out. It's like same junk, different day. Every day, same junk, different day. Because they were slaves. They were under the thumb. And that's what it is to be in that fallen system. You are under somebody else's thumb. So if you don't learn how to have faith in God, if you don't get that word in and believe that he's going to take you through your situations to a better place, if you don't let him talk to you about the direction he wants to lead you in, you're not going to get there. And so Murray and I have planted the word in our heart for years. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting on God. Okay, God, I know there's a call on my life. I know I'm supposed to go somewhere. I know I'm supposed to do something. What is it? Because it doesn't look like I thought it was supposed to look like. And then when we jumped out in faith, because God said now is the time, we jumped out and it was like, okay, this really doesn't look like I thought it was supposed to look like. And we're facing the sea. And I can hear the roar. And I can feel the pressure. And the devil is always giving you thoughts to just squash that word that you have hidden in your heart. And you start looking at God, going, Why have you brought me out here? You brought me out here to. No, you didn't bring me out here to die. I've had enough relationship with you to know. You didn't bring me out here to hang me out to dry. You brought me out here because you're taking me into someplace else and you brought me out here so that I can hear you and know you and trust you and give a God story every time I open my mouth because I don't talk about the weather long. And that's the way he wants his people. We sit in coffee shops and we talk about all kinds of stupid stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. But we don't talk about God. And we don't talk about what God is doing in our lives because for most people, most people aren't having God in their lives. So they don't even know what's going on. They don't know the reality of the system that God has because they're not living in it. And so when you start to let God lead you through the word, he'll take you into situations you can't get out of on your own. You need him to get you through. And so he'll bring you through and he'll give you word to do it and he'll bring you provision and he'll help you and you'll get to where you're going. You will get to where you're going. The Israelites crossed the sea. It opened up. It was a miracle. Miracles are alive and well and living on planet Earth. Miracles are here. God sends miracles all the time. We've had so many miracles since Murray quit his job and we stepped out in faith. I could take show after show after show and tell you the things that God has done for us while we have been walking this out. And so we're not through yet. So like Paul Harvey, just wait for the rest of the story. But the rest of the story is coming. But he has been coaxing us and helping us so that we can walk this out and get where we're going. But you know what the funny thing about this is? Even though we've had just a little bit in our hands, because he didn't give us a whole bunch to store up, just like that manna in the desert. He said, don't store it up. This isn't about storing it up. This is about you eat this today and be peaceful and be happy and know that I'm your God. And then tomorrow, I'll feed you again. Don't store it up. It'll rot. Don't keep hoarding. The fear of loss, the fear of not having enough. See, that's the devil's spirit. That's the way most people live. They're so afraid of losing. They're so afraid of going without. They're so afraid of not having enough because they've been there. They know what it's like to not have enough, and they don't want to keep doing that over and over again. And God says, you can trust me. I am trustworthy. I'm your father. Come on. We're going to have relationship. I'm going to get you into a place where there isn't anybody who can help you but me. I'm going to teach you how to trust me. I'm going to teach you. It's going to be hard on your flesh. Your flesh is going to scream.
0: And what does Proverbs 3 say? Trust in the Lord with what? You don't trust, All your heart. You don't trust God with your head. Romans 10 says, with the heart, the man believes. You don't trust God with your mind. You think with your mind. So he says, lean not on your own understanding. Understanding. Well, almost all your ways, except this one thing. I can't. Come on, I'm up here winging it. What do you think? No, in all your ways, But there's a lot of people, Pat, that are woefully ignorant on the subject of being spirit-led. I mean, they're flipping coins and majority opinion and general consensus. And that's not being spirit-led. That's not being led by the spirit. I'm talking about identifying
1: that inward witness. Well, that's the joy of living for Jesus Christ. That really is the joy, is being spirit-led. Because... And I'm not down on churches. Please, please, anybody who's going to church, don't think I'm ragging on churches. I'm not. But I'm outside of a church right now. We haven't found a church body, and we've looked for years. And I know they're out there. They're just not where we live at this present time. People who actually believe the Word, do the Word, work the Word, love the Word, walk the Word. I haven't found that, you know. He's got us out here, but out here I've learned to fly. And it hasn't been at the risk of the reputation of the denomination that I frequent. There isn't somebody in there saying, you can't do that. It's going to make us look bad. What if you fail? What if you fail? So Murray and I, we've had this conversation a hundred times. So he quits his job. You know, it's God's leading. Let's do this. It's time to do this. And so we step out. And I looked at Murray one day and I said, okay, Murray, so what if we fail? What if all this that we're believing, all this that we have sown into, all of this, what if it doesn't work? And he's looking at me and I said, so what? So what? We tried something. At least we didn't sit here till we die. We jumped up and we tried something. And we didn't just do it mindlessly. We had the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led us to something that was not like anything we've ever seen before. Paul said, you know, the revelation that I got, I got straight from Jesus Christ. And I didn't go to man and say, well, what do you think about this? It was imparted to me straight. And it was a mystery at that time. It was a mystery nobody was hearing. But Paul heard it straight from God. And it was the mystery of, okay, everybody gets to partake. Everybody, the curtain has opened up. Everybody gets to eat from God. Everybody gets to sit at the table with God. Everybody gets to have fellowship with God. Everybody gets to be family. Anybody who wants it, dinner bells ring and come on in. And the Jews are like, oh my gosh, it's just for us. No, sorry. God died for the whole world. Yes, Israel is very special. You bet they are. But Jesus Christ laid his life on the line for the whole earth. The earth is the Lord's and everybody who lives on it. And so he died for them. And so that was Paul's revelation. The Gentiles get to partake. Come on in. Come on in. Come and find out God is good. Well, now here's another revelation. God is taking Murray and I through something right now where we're going to be able to turn around and say to people, you know what? God is good. God is God is good. He loves us. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. So when you pray for patience, do you think you just get a little sand fairy and comes and dings you with her little wand and says, bing, you got patience? No. You go through a situation where you have an opportunity to have patience exercised. Well, so it is with trusting God. Trust is earned, and he's going to bring you through situations where you're going to learn to trust him. You're going to trust him. And it's going to be by the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be from the inside out. The situation might be roaring at you, but inside, you're going to have the Word of God. And it's going to anchor your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And they'll stay steady. They'll stay calm. They'll stay good. You might have tears running down your face, but you won't be running around in a panic, screaming, the sky is falling, God, where are you? You're going to know your father. You're going to know his word is true because you're learning to trust him. And you've had a place right now where, I remember when you did this last month and last year, and and it worked out, so okay, okay, I'll trust you again. What do you say to those people today,
0: Pat, who are listening to this show and they are facing... Horrendous situations, maybe eviction, maybe they just lost a job, maybe a loved one, maybe they got a bad health report. They've got a devastating looming circumstance today and they're
1: not sure where to turn. Well, then there's only one place to go, and it's been the only place all along. It's straight to the Word of God. It's straight to God Himself. It's straight to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And you turn to Him and you say, Father, Okay, I don't know how. I don't know how the sea parts. I don't know how to get out of here. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what the wisdom is. You can ask for wisdom. You pray in the spirit. You say, Father, I'm yours and this situation is yours. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Never, 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 never. When David was anointed to be king, he was a young boy. 30 years later, he's finally sitting on the throne. And in that 30 years... He learned how to trust God. He didn't turn bitter because of his circumstances. Because, I mean, he had a guy out to kill him. Saul was going to wipe this guy right off the planet. And he liked him in the beginning. It was like, David killed Goliath. Isn't that wonderful? He's great. But when David got popular opinion, you know, there's all kinds of, whoa, David's great. David's perfect. David's cool. Saul, yeah, you're good. Saul, you're Saul. But, hey, you a 1,000, David 10,000. Wahoo, good. Now jealousy. Now the real spirit in Saul comes out. It comes alive and it wants to just wipe David out. And it tried very hard for a long time. And all the way through, all the way through, David could have said, and I stepped out for you, God, and this is what it looks like. I stepped out for you and this is what you do to me. I risked myself and this is where we are. And if he'd have stayed in that mindset, if he'd have stayed with that attitude, that would have been his opinion of God until the day he died but he didn't. He pushed past the circumstances and said, God, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. I don't understand this, but I'm with you. I can't see my way. He's living in a cave. He can't see his way out. His men are living in a cave with him. He went from living in Saul's kingdom, playing his harp, America's got talent. You know, I'm out here for the king. I'm singing for him to living in a cave, running for his very life. Things can change overnight. You bet they can. God never changes. God stays the same. He's not taken aback because something happened at work or you lost your job or, you know, they're going to foreclose on your house. God knows exactly where you are. And if you say to me, well, if he knows where I am, why isn't he helping me? You have to trust him through these times to know that God's going to bring you through this. He might pay your mortgage. He might pay your rent. He might have the whole thing fold up. I don't know. But God knows. And God knows how you come through. But if you don't get that word in there, it isn't going to happen. And the other thing is, if you're not tithing, boy, here we go. I'm going to touch money again. I'm only (laughs) going to touch it a couple of times, you know, because people get really mad. The claws come out. Careful. Yeah, the claws come out. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm telling you what the word says. If you tithe... You've opened up a channel to him. It's not about money. It's about the way he does things. The devil hoards up. God says, give it away. Totally the opposite. There is another system working in this planet, which is God's kingdom, that without the spirit of God leading you, you'll never get it. You think going to church is living in God's kingdom? You think obeying the Ten Commandments is God's kingdom? God's got a kingdom where he is Lord. I haven't
0: got a red nickel to rub together, and this gal's saying tithing. People don't want to
1: hear that when they're broke. Well, then you need to just suck it up, princess, and do it anyway, because that's what I did. That's what I did. My own mother said to me, you shouldn't be doing that. God will understand. And she was trying to help me, because I had two kids. And I went back to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I know this is what you've said, and so I'm going to do it. And so if I'm going without, then I'm going without. But this is what you said, so this is what I'm going to do. And I had a scripture early, early, early on, just shortly after I met with the Lord, and he met with me. And it was, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm. I found a fridge magnet that said that. I stuck that on my fridge. It's been there ever since. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I don't care what kind of tidal wave or tsunami or earthquake or horrible disaster is facing me. I don't care what it looks like. In the midst of pressure, I will say, as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. And that scripture has gotten me through some pretty major wars. That's all I needed. I didn't have any understanding. I still haven't been taught. I don't know anything about scripture. But I got that one. And that's what I used. I hung that on a flagpole in my hand. And I waved that, spiritually speaking. I waved that thing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is important
0: for people to get. Don't let circumstances get the best of you. People got to get their eyes off their circumstances and on to Jesus.
1: The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he isn't coming for you. He's coming for that word. He wants that word. If he can get that word, he's got you. You're done. It's the word. The word works when it's put to work. The word has enough power in itself to bring itself to pass. Now, that's a huge mouthful. The battle isn't yours. The battle is God's. The victory is yours. And so the whole key, after you grab a hold of that word, is start thanking God and praising God. Praise, he inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. Well, if he's inhabiting the praises of his people, then you're going to get the fallout of God that comes with it. And the fallout of God is the blessing of God. You'll get it. But you got to be sowers. You have to sow, just like that farmer waiting for a crop. If you haven't sown anything, you're not getting anything. So if you sow the word, the word is going to come up when you're in a hot spot. It'll come up, and it'll be the thing that saves you. It'll be the thing that anchors your soul and keeps you calm so that you can hear God. Because if you're out there just sweating bullets, you're not going to hear that small, still voice. And so that word anchors you, and it keeps you in a storm. You built your house on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. There you are. Don't sweat the small stuff. God's got your back. He always had. He knew you before you were ever born. He knows where you're supposed to go and he'll get you there. All hell may be breaking loose. Maybe you've already been to hell and back. And you just don't have enough strength to get up and go again. God's got your back. Reach out to him. He'll pull you up out of that hole that you're in. He'll get your feet firmly planted and you'll be able to walk again.
0: People are head-led, feeling-led, emotion-led. People can let their emotions and feelings lead them and and they can miss it. Jesus wasn't led by feelings, emotions and logic and reason, but he didn't let the feelings, emotions and logic overtake being spirit-led. It doesn't matter what the news says, what does the word say? It doesn't matter what your mom says or your husband says or your boss says, what does the word say? And it's just important to remember Don't let feeling and logic and emotion overpower what God says. Jesus was a good example of that, wasn't he?
1: He was touched by what was going on. He did cry when Lazarus died. He cried. It hurt him. It hurt him that the people were so sad and so hopeless because Lazarus is gone. He cried for them, and he lost his friend. Lazarus was a friend. But he knew the end result. He knew he could raise him from the dead because he knew who he was. And so even though Jesus was touched, I mean, he cried, he sweat blood, he was stressed, he felt stress, he knew, he's gone through everything we've ever gone through, but he wasn't led by his feelings, he was led by the Father. He says, I don't do anything, the Father doesn't tell me to do, and I don't say anything, the Father doesn't say to say. But that's a lifetime journey. So you're being perfected every single day. Every single day that you spend time with Jesus, he chips off another little piece of junk that's in your life. He straightens out a little crooked thinking that's in your life. You've got to spend time in that word to get yourself sorted out and straighted out. And the Holy Spirit is your teacher, and he'll do that. And as you spend time, you'll renew your mind by the washing of the water of the word. And you will get straightened out in your thinking, and you'll think like God thinks. And you won't have all the answers. I mean, it doesn't happen in a day. It happens in a lifetime. But every step you take, you become stronger. You become more spiritual because you're learning and you're maturing in Jesus Christ. You're maturing. And the church mostly, she wants to have the party games, you know, like, let's have this new event. Let's have this new speaker. Let's get a whole bunch of people so that God can come and he can pour out his spirit on us. And we can jump up and down and we can praise the Lord and we can have a party and we can speak in tongues and we can lay hands on people and we can prophesy. And that's great when it's, when it's functioning the way God wants it to function. That's perfect because people need help. And what a great place to go and get help. But if that's all you're doing, then that's wrong. You have to spend time with God. You have to grow up. You have to learn how to walk straight. And that takes work. That takes work. Most people don't want the work. They don't want to be responsible for this. This takes work. This takes discipline. This takes maturity. This takes a clear decision that, yes, I am going to do this. And then when God says to you, even when you don't have anything left, when God says to you, I want you to go over there and give those people part of the paycheck you have today, or I want you to send some money to this ministry over here. Whatever it is he asks you to do, you're willing to do it. Not because you're full of fear of loss, now you're going to go without. You've been obedient. You've done what God has asked you to do. He will repay you. You are representing him. You are bringing God to them in that situation. So you have a right to say, okay, Father, I expect to be paid back. What a man sows, he reaps. And so I am sowing into that person's life, whatever it may be. If it's money, it's money. You got to do it. But it isn't always money. But if it is, then do it. You'll get money back. It'll show up somewhere. Something happens. I remember one time we were living in this place and we didn't have any food at all. And when we came home, there was $100 stuck in the door. I've had groceries sitting on my step. I've had money put in my bank account. I've had all kinds of cool things happen. You know, oh wow, that's the way it goes. I've had people walk up to me and say, the Lord wants me to give you this. I don't go to church. Can you hear what I'm saying? I wasn't dependent on the congregation knowing my needs and helping me. God knew my needs. He knew exactly where we were. We live in the bush. Don't forget, okay? I don't live downtown Toronto. But it didn't matter. I could have been on the moon. God would have found me. And he just supplied my need. And he did. And he does. And that's why we have the courage and the faith to step out into this new thing that Marie and I are going through right now. You might be just sitting there waiting for the rent. You might be waiting for the hydro bill. You might be waiting for the phone bill. You might be waiting for groceries. Call out to God. Ask him, Father, I need to sow. So tell me what to sow. Supply the sewing. I don't know what to sow. Get it to me, Father, so I can sow. You know, when Murray quit his job, that's the first thing I said to the Lord was, Lord, I've been sewing since I was 28 years old. If we don't have a job, how am I going to sow? Well, he gives it. There's a scripture in Corinthians, and it's 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. This is where it starts, and this is what he says. He says, Now, as you abound and excel and are in the front in everything, in faith, in expressing yourselves, in knowledge, in all zeal, and in your love for us, see to it that you come to the front now and abound and excel in this gracious work of almsgiving. I give this not as an order to dictate to you, but to prove by pointing out the zeal of others, the sincerity of your own love also. For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing in that he was so very rich yet for your sakes he became so very poor in order that by his poverty you might become enriched abundantly supplied so isn't that an interesting thing and so he's this is a lesson and he's taking you through this lesson and so you got to go and it says and God is able to make all grace Every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient possessing enough to require no aid or support or furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. And as it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower... And bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous, and your generosity, as it is administered by us, will bring forth thanksgiving to God." So God will take you through these situations where you're going to be broke, you're not going to have enough, and the reason isn't to try and kill you off and hang you out to dry, it's so that you will learn how to trust him and bring things to the table for God to use to distribute to his body. We've become so
0: accustomed to this hurried world with things clamoring for our attention that we've begun to demand speed in our spiritual life too, haven't we? However, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him, he says in Isaiah 64. 4. So wise believers then, they endure until the fruit of their labor appear, don't they?
1: You don't give up. You know, I heard a man of God say one time, if you're prepared to wait forever, it won't take forever. See, you've been translated out of darkness into light. So you are now in his kingdom. You have to do it his way. He knows the timing. We don't know the timing. He knows the timing. He knows how things go. He knows what's going on behind the scenes. And because we can't see behind the scenes, we got those five physical senses working on us all the time. We want to be able to see it, feel it, touch it, taste it, smell it, hear it. You know, you can't. When you're working with God, he's working behind the scenes and you have to have faith. That's why you've got to build your faith up in that word. So here's that word in Corinthians. That's what I had for the Lord, and so when Murray quit his job, and we're out there now walking by faith, and we're walking on the water. Look, Daddy, look, I'm walking on water. I'm learning to fly, and it was kind of exciting, and it was kind of like nail-biting, too, because it was like, oh my gosh, is this ever huge? This is way bigger than we have ever gone before, and we've stepped out in things before, but this is like huge. And I said to the Lord, it was easy to tithe before, no problem, because Murray had a paycheck. How are we going to sew now? I don't even know how to sew now. How do we sew now? What are you going to do? You're going to supply it, Father. Please supply. I don't want to stop sewing. I love sewing. Please, Father, keep supplying because I don't know how to do this. So I'm going to tell you this story. No names. But I'm lying in bed one morning. This is just very recently. I'm lying in bed one morning and very quietly. And I said to the Lord, and we're living in a motorhome, okay? Like, I don't have a house. We're living in a motorhome. And I said to the Lord, it would be nice, you know, if you would uh, intervene. And I wasn't being sarcastic, but I needed some stuff. I needed groceries. We needed dog food. Like, there was things we needed. And I said, Lord, I just need you to intervene. I said, we're out here because you have brought us here. We have cast our lot in on you. And you say, cast all your cares on you, so we are. And you said a workman is worthy of her hire, and we work for you. So I need a little intervention here. Well, he said to read Acts. So I did. Well, here it's about a guy named Cornelius. And Cornelius has got his own thing going on, and he's been helping the poor, and he's praying a lot, and he's a good guy. And this angel comes to Cornelius and starts speaking to him and giving him directions that God wanted him to have. And the thing that stuck out to me is not what the angel said to Cornelius to get him going to go find Peter. The thing was that an angel came. That just bounced. And I said, Okay, God, we need angels. Send me an angel. I jumped out of bed. Murray's out there making coffee, getting things ready. And I said, Murray, we need to pray right now. Look what I just heard. Read it out loud. There it is. Okay, we expect an angel to come and intervene on our behalf. I don't care how you do it. He could walk across that horse pasture right now with a bucket full of money. I don't care what you do. We're inviting an angel to come right now and intervene on our behalf and help us. So half an hour goes by. And this guy shows up. He knows where we are. He shows up and he says to Marie, I'm having so much trouble getting my hay in. I can't get it in. I can't, I don't have the time. I got so many things. Will you please come and hay my hay field for me? And so I'm looking at Marie and Marie's looking at me and was like, well, okay, that'll be a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah, okay. We'll be able to buy dog food, get some gas. Yep, sure. Cool. Okay, let's go haying. So then a little while later, I get a phone call from my youngest daughter. She's pregnant. She's going to have a baby, and she says I've already started labor, and I think I have to go to the hospital. And I'll let you know if it's if it's real labor or if it's just those Braxton Hicks. We'll find out. But uh, I'm going to set some money aside for you because they knew where we were, and uh, you'll have to go to the next town where I'm going to have this baby. Because in our hometown, there's no no facility for women to have babies. So, okay, fine. And I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. Thank you, honey. Yep, that's what we'll do. And when I hung up the phone, I said, Lord, that ought not to be. My youngest is setting aside money for her mother so she can get gas money to go and watch her baby be born. I don't think so. Father, that's not right. We're out here for you. Where does that bring glory to you? That's not right. So I get a phone call from a friend of mine who's buzzing through town and she calls me up and says, can you come to town for coffee? I'll meet you in town for coffee. And I said, you know what, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure I can even get to town. But you know what, I'll go out into the hay field and I'll ask Murray, And he can tell, he knows by looking at the gas gauge whether I can make it or not. And she said, oh, well, no problem. You know, like, I'll throw 50 bucks in your tank. Come and have coffee with me. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll check with Murray. So Murray looks, yeah, you'll make it. You'll get to town. That's what he said to me. You'll get to town. He's haying. I'm going to town for coffee. Chit, chat, chit, chat. See my friend. We have coffee. She says to me, the Lord wouldn't let me go through town. The Lord wouldn't let me just breeze on through. I had to stop. And I not only have to stop, I have to give you this. And she gave me an envelope, and she said, don't you dare open that envelope until you get back home. And I said, okay. Boom, off she went. So I go home, back to the motorhome. I open it up. There's $1,200 in that envelope. $1,200. $1,200. I went out to the hayfield, just a howlin'. I said to Marie, look, look. So what did I do? First thing I did, I tithed. First thing I'll ever do, always, give me 10 cents, I'm gonna tithe. That's it, that's my life. God will meet you where you are, and he'll send people, he'll send things. He'll create situations. And if people aren't listening and they're not awake and they don't, he'll send himself. I know that for a fact. So you don't ever have to worry about your situation. God knows exactly where you are. If you want out of that situation, I suggest you get in the Word. And you grab a hold of your Heavenly Father and you say, Father, I love you. Help me. Help me to live in the system that you have created, because I don't know how it works. It's so opposite to the way I have been trained. And then ask him for something to sow. If you don't have anything, ask him, for help me to learn how to sow in your kingdom. Help me to appropriate this kingdom the way you do. Help me, Lord. And I'll tell you, you will be on the ride of your life. And every time you open your mouth, you won't be talking about the weather. You'll be talking about what God did. It's a God story. Your whole life is a God story. It's a God story. You have to. You have to live for him. You have to. And it's not like you have to, but you have no other choice. Because you think out here is working? It's not. Give him a chance to get you where you need to be.
0: Amen. Well, on that note, I want to tell people who you are and I think this is really important. The woman that has been talking for the last two days is the reason that I do what I do today and I'm a Christian. I became a Christian at 17 years old and why? I just walked into a church at 17, knew nothing about God. I walked into that church and a woman came in the bathroom. She walked in, she smiled at me. And just the way she said hi and smiled, I had a moment where I thought, I don't know who this is, but whatever she's got, I want it. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior a week later, was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost the same day because of the woman that you are hearing now. And we have had a friendship for the last, get this, it's a year away from 30 years. And I'm very proud to call this woman my friend, and she's the most powerful woman of God that I know. And here's the deal. If she could have a sign, this would be her sign. The best sermons, they're not preached. They're lived. She walks it. She walks the walk, talks the talk, And she has a powerful, powerful anointing from God Almighty. It's just truly an honor for me to have her on the program. Pat, I want to thank you for coming on the show today and for really not only being a a huge mentor to me, but just for being one of the few people that I know in this world that really is the real deal. In the waning moments, Pat, would you do me the honor of praying for the listeners?
1: I'd be happy. But before we do, Sheila, I can see someone and he's got blue jeans on and they skater pants and he's got a black t-shirt and I can just see you standing there and your head is down and your hands are in your pocket and I can feel shame I feel the shame that you are feeling and I release you from that shame in the name of Jesus Christ and I tell you today is a new day today is a brand new day today is the beginning it doesn't matter what happened yesterday yesterday's over you're going to get a crink in your neck if you keep looking behind it yesterday look up look forward. Your Father is waiting for you, and He's waiting for you right now, and so I'm going to lead people in a prayer. Those of you who don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't know your Father God, don't know that the Holy Spirit is your teacher, but would like to, then you follow me in this prayer. And for those of you who have been living for yourselves, even though you're Christians. I want you to just repent and say, Sorry, God. Okay, I'm going to get it straight this time because you're helping me get it straight. You're here and you're listening because you're searching and you're wanting. So today's your day today's your day let's go today's a brand new day so father we just thank you for the words that you have given me today we thank you father that you see absolutely every single person who's here today and you're interested in every single person we thank you for your blood we thank you for the blood of jesus that was shed for every single person and so today father we say we're sorry for our sins we're sorry that we crossed you we're sorry that we denied you we didn't obey you We're sorry that we were mad at you. Whatever it is, Father, it's in our heart. We give it to you now. Open hands here, Father, take it. Take everything that's wrong with me. I give it to you, and I take your life. I take your way of doing things. I thank you, Father. I receive that now, and Father, I am going to do what it is you ask me to do, and you're going to help me, and I'm going to believe you, and I thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen and amen. Pat, I want to really thank you for coming on the program and do come back and see us soon.
1: welcome. Thank you, Sheila, for having me here. It's been great.
0: Folks, that was Pat McIntosh again, incredible anointed minister of the gospel and a very dear friend of mine. And it was such an honor to have her on the program. And again, if you want to contact her, shoot me an email. I'll get it forward to her while her website is under construction sign up for my YouTube channel all the latest shows are archived there follow me on Twitter and Facebook and of course download the app go to the app store search Sheila Zelinsky and you'll be able to get all the archives there as they are populated very convenient if you have not picked up a copy of Green Gospel do so by going to greengospel.ca there's also an ebook available for those who want the ebook just a reminder, get out to Nathan Leal's event in Idaho this weekend. Tomorrow on the program, we have the one and only Miss Carla Butod from Texas on a very controversial subject, and you're not going to want to miss it. So be sure to tune in tomorrow, Friday. Thank you again for tuning into the broadcast. Good night and God bless.